Minus three is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three, presented as ever by Omaha. Hope you had a great sports weekend. I got great news for you. Seven weekends from now, pro football kicks off. That means six weeks, maybe even five weeks. I don't even know until college football kicks off. In the meantime, lots going on in the world of sport. If you were watching Wimbledon early on Sunday, you watched uh, Carlos Alcaraz knock off Jokovic. There, I have a question for you, Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. Before we jump into uh, our main subject for today, which is part two of our very important analysis of by draft slot, the greatest pick among the four major sports franchise uh, sports leagues in North America. We covered la- at the end of last week with our pal Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We're going to do. 14 down to number one overall, who is the greatest number one overall pick in the NBA, NFL, MLB, and NHL of all time. We're going to do that in just a minute. Um, but I was wondering, watching the um, the Wimbledon, Alcaraz knockoff, Jokovic, who presents as maybe the greatest of all time, or at least is in the conversation, and now Alcaraz has won the U.S. Open and Wimbledon, and he seems on track to be this generation's greatest star. We t- we've talked about, obviously, the 1975 Cowboys or Steelers would get hammered by the worst team in the NFL by 40 or 50 points. Is that true in tennis spaghetti? Do you have any insight on this? Like, how would Boris Becker do against this Alcaraz? How would McEnroe or Borg? Well, you know who great tennis players are from history. Like, yeah. how would the this gen- is there? I, I, the racket is different. I understand. And mm-hmm. so, if you gave McEnroe the you know twenty first century technology of the racket, would he keep up with Becker or anyone else? Yeah, with you know your Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi. Yeah. Uh, um, I I don't know enough about Alcaraz, but I would probably think. You know, the recent generation of the top tennis players was Roger Federer and then obviously Rafael Nadal, uh, Novak Djokovic. I feel like those three guys would I feel like a lot of the people in the tennis community would probably pick them to win um, over some of the all time greats. That ones you just mentioned. I don't know enough about Alcaraz. I don't know what his trajectory is supposed to be. Is he supposed to be better than those pre those guys I just mentioned? Maybe I don't know. Um, I just think with the training and just like you know the you're starting from an early age. I just feel like athletes back in the day, years and years and years ago, like they just started picking up tennis. You know, they were in high school or college. They pick it up and they don't really train. They don't have the proper nutrition and they're just good. Um, at the sport, whereas people today that play are like, you're three years old, you're being handed a racket and you're, you're eating, you know, your, your vegetables and grilled chicken from, uh, five years old, all the way up through like, you know, the, your whole entire life. And then you're training at like these facilities and you're going away to camps and schools for tennis. So I would give the nod to the more recent generation, but I, I mean, I, I don't, I'd have to probably, uh, ask some of my tennis buddies to see which old school yeah, do players would, I do, would, know. Would, would, would dominate. Yeah. I also, but, you know, we always do the thing when you do this thought experiment, when we do it, it's like, well, obviously modern guys have all the benefits of nutrition, like you say, and weight work and everything else. We should do it the other way, though. What if modern athletes had to train like the guys of yesteryear did? That would be a great, that would be the great equalizer. Not like, all right, um, 
72 dolphins go we're going to give you two years to ramp up in our in our vacuum um to get all the benefits of the 21st century on your side how about if the 21st century teams had to live like the players in the early 70s did wonder if that would even things out more right i mean either way like i Okay, maybe Jokovic is better, or, or uh, yeah, jo- wait, Jokovic. Boy, it really is grand times to be nicknamed Joker right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let's uh, let's see if we can convince a team in 2023 to do that, and then put them in a time machine, and then go back and play a good team from the 70s well, and see what happens. I will say, I could speak. You know, I could use football because I could speak on a little bit more than I could with tennis. But you know, if somebody like Cam Newton, who just size alone um, at quarterback, he's a tight end body playing quarterback. I think if we transport him back into the the 60s or the 70s, I think those defenses there we're going to have a they're going to have a major problem with him, regardless of just because of the the size of the players back then. We're not the offensive linemen, the defensive line were not nearly as big. Um, as they are today, uh, you know, even we have some cornerbacks in this league too, like six foot two cornerbacks with huge reaches, like they would just smother receivers back in the day. So I think the size alone, we have some genetic freaks uh, playing in the league now, but I do think um, the added benefit, like we we're saying before, the nutrition and, and weightlifting, like, you know, Saquon Barkley's, you know, squatting a thousand pounds, whatever um, that's, you know, that, that stuff wasn't really happening, you know, 40, 50 years ago. So I, I do think that there, there are athletes say that would definitely have the advantage, but um, only a few would really squeak through from, from years past. If Tiger Woods, didn't lift weights and all of that and had to live like Jack Nicholas did from age, whatever, five to 20, who would win in that head to head? These questions are fascinating in real time, 2023, the world's turned upside down. You're headed to the big a tonight, right? Spaghetti. As we record here on Monday, you're going to go and watch your Yankees. I appreciate the loyalty. It is sad. Can you remember off the top of your the Red Sox and Yankees are the two worst teams in the AL East. And at the same time in the NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals are the worst team and the division largely stinks. Nevertheless, they're the worst team. The Redbirds. What the hell is going on in baseball? Yeah, so uh, I am going uh, tonight. Me and and Mikey Meatballs are going to go to uh, the the forty five mile trip, which somehow uh. ends up being a five hour drive to Anaheim to see the Angels. You know, look, tonight's Luis Severino. He's one and four, a seven point three ERA. I have not seen the Yankees uh. win in person since like uh, Barack Obama was in office. Um, it's just one of those things where. <laughs> The, you know, going into the season, obviously they were kind of in the mix in terms of odds to win the World Series. I think there was some excitement with Judge coming back, Judge being named captain. There was excitement with Anthony Volpe, the guy who was really going to become, you know, Jeter 2.0. Um, and then the biggest thing, at least in my mind, was, you know, the addition of Carlos Rodon and having a really strong bullpen. And they, the bullpen was great. That was the Yankees' best, um, you know, team uh, group uh, going into the All-Star break. And now the bullpen is slowly, you know, they're breaking down, which happened last year. The second half of the bullpen is not as strong. The Yankees have the most blown uh, ninth inning blown games. I think 12 games they've blown since the start of last season, which is the most in the majors, which is uh, pretty disgusting. And, um, you know, judge is now hitting off the tee again. Will he come back? We'll see the big news 
you know, with the trade deadline looming is where the Yankees be involved with Shohei Otani. I mean, I'm going there tonight. I will literally kidnap him and, you know, and, and, and ship him to the Bronx so they could make use of him with the pinstripes. Cause I, I, at this point, I don't know what, what is, what they have to do here. The team is just, they can't hit without 99 in the lineup and the Rodone's coming back and has not been as sharp. Like I just mentioned Severino's stats. I mean, he's getting crushed every single outing he has. So like the bright spot of the season was like Domingo Herman's perfect game. And, uh, and, and like, that's it. Like there's nothing really to be happy about. And the most frustrating part is like the division standings like you're mentioning, like the AL central, the Yankees would be in first place. Uh, the Yankees would be only uh, five games back of the Texas Rangers. They only, they'd only be two games back of the Brewers. They'd only be three games back of the Dodgers. Like they're, they would be in the completely mix. get all that completely get all that. Yeah. It is bizarre though, to look at the ALE standings and, and look at the odds the rest of the way here. What's a couple of funny points at the top of the division, the Rays are minus two fifty to win the division. The Orioles are a game back. They're plus 350. Make sense of that for me. Before you try to make sense of that, though, the Yankees, who have the identical red uh, record as the Red Sox, the Yanks are 18 to 1. The Red Sox are 60 to 1 to win the AL East. That seems like, I don't know, maybe we'll check in with Hench uh, later in the week here and see. I mean, obviously, he'll be pessimistic about his team's chances, but what what, what is the reason well, yeah. for... That one makes sense to me just because the fact that Judge is coming back and they know that the lineup will improve. Okay. And, and they also know that Rodon's only had, what, two starts since he's been back and he's, you know, getting paid $160 million. So he's supposed to be, he would have been an ace for some teams, obviously with Yankees, with Garrett Cole being actually the other bright spot. Um, so I think they're just kind of uh, projecting the Yankees being okay. And they're going to be buyers, I hope, knock on wood, they'll be buyers at the deadline. Um, although, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have faith in the Steinbrenner family like I used to years ago, but, and then as with the Orioles and the Rays, I think the Rays are the far superior team. The Orioles just on a hot streak. They've won what eight straight games. Uh, I think once they kind of cool off, they're going to be good in the future. They have a good young roster, but I think right now the Rays are probably the most complete team in the division. And I, I still would side with them over the Orioles. It's funny as I'm looking at this in the AL West, because I was looking to see where the Halos are, where the Mariners are. There's some buzz that Otani, we know he likes in the offseason to spend his time up in Seattle. So there's some buzz that he might get sent up there. The Mariners are 16 to 1. The Halos are 40 to 1 in the West. And the Astros had just adjusted as I was looking at it. It was very exciting. Um, and uh in the central. In the National League Central, I should say, the Cardinals are 25 to 1 to still catch up. The Brewers are minus 175. The Brewers have taken care of the Red Legs for the most part this season, but still, there's Cincy at plus 205. That might be worth putting a little something on as well. I do think, though, that the difference, I hear your noise on the Rays over the Orioles on a piece of paper. I like Tampa quite a bit more, but still, a, 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 a 600. Um, point swing between the odds on the on the two teams seems a, a little fishy there or uh unattended so if you feel hip on the uh, baltimore orioles it would seem like now's a great time to jump in on them and a good time to get on board with the battle and buckos from pittsburgh they're one of the worst teams since their hot start but they've called up all the kids this is the sweet spot don't you see who cares if they win another game they can't lose out because that would be very embarrassing if they if they were like Oh, and uh, and 92. But short of that, who cares what they do? It's all the kids coming up. So that's a good time. And now let's turn our gaze to what we were talking about. Oh, by the way, the other thing we have to talk about, because Hench is back on board with this Julian Edelman 
needs to go to the Hall of Fame. Jazz, cousin Sal, getting some heat from Hench on social media about that. Sal also getting some heat from tennis, from residents of Mount Pius who are tennis aficionados for saying that we're only seven weeks away from football, that somehow this diminishes the sport of tennis. Are there sports fans who love tennis way more than pro football? It's a small percentage, I'm sure, at best. So uh, keep your chin up, Sal. Don't get too beaten up by the by the tennis snoots. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to turn things over to the second half of our conversation. The first half, number 30th overall pick down to the 15th overall pick. Again, the four major sports in North America. Some good debates with Pianowski last week resulted in the 22nd overall. I had a feeling recency bias would win out here. Justin Jefferson did beat out. Um, Brian Trottier and others for being the greatest 22nd overall pick of all time. Per you, the Czech Republic, those of you at least who voted on social media, the poll is up there. Minus three pod is how you track that down on Twitter. And at number 20th overall, Tom Seaver got past Marty Brodeur. I don't know if I like that one, although I hate the Devils, So I'm going to, I'm going to abide by your ruling. Um, and uh, and with that spaghetti, oh, and a good video on the, the 15th overall pick, too. That's all hors d'oeuvre, though, as we work our way all the way up to the first overall pick. That includes Peyton Manning, John Elway, Mario Lemieux. Who else, spaghetti? Oh, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. Well, you know, great players. That's who gets picked first overall. Also, Jamarcus Russell. Let's get to it, shall we, spaghetti, with our guy, Pianowski. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns tampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The number 14, Darrell Revis in the news as we speak, thanks to Asante Samuel. Spoiler alert, Revis over Samuel any day of the week. Jim Kelly. Clyde Drexler, Jason Veritek, and Ken Dryden. How say you? Yeah, I also mentioned uh, Randy Gratishar, just John Jefferson for fun, Eddie George, and, and Hardaway. I went with Kelly. I will not argue if you want to go Dryden. Wow, I have Dryden. I thought you were going to go Revis here as one of the three or four best corners. because goes- I have Kelly knowing that maybe it should be Dryden. The thing with Dryden, and, and look, it's, it's hard to know how great he was. He was remarkable and part of a team that won four straight cups. But he had the unbelievable I – mean, Larry Robinson was just so good. Serge Savard. They had mm-hmm. this unbelievable – Bob Gainey was the best defensive forward. One of those so underrated, he's probably a little bit overrated. I'm not sure if maybe he was necessarily a Hall of Famer. They had loads of guys who could score. I've always believed – this. Is what, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but there's a few things I kind of hold on to. And this is one thing I hold on to. The last year Dryden played – they're in the finals. The Rangers make it out of nowhere. They, they stopped going to Studio 54 for 15 seconds and actually played some good hockey. They make the finals. They win game one of the finals. They bench Dryden for game two. Bunny LaRock gets hurt in warmups. Dryden has to play. They win the next four games. And then Ken Dryden says, I'm done playing hockey. I always wondered if he just walked away and said, okay, good luck winning without me, guys. Boy, that's like the inverse that Ken Dryden is there calling with Al Michaels, the 1980 Miracle yep. on Ice, and Tretiak gets yanked right. for whatever the guy's name the Mark is. Johnson, Mark Johnson scored at the end of the first period, like with Mushkin one second whatever, left. Right? Yeah. Who, yeah, who who played very poorly and allowed two soft goals. The U.S., I think, only had 16 shots in that game. I've told the story about a week after. I don't remember exactly how many days after they win that gold medal. Mark Johnson is a Pittsburgh Penguin to be. I don't remember exactly why this happened, but me and my old man wound up driving Mark Johnson from the airport and dropped him off at the Civic Arena where his car was. I don't know how that I was like, I'm in the backseat. And I mean, imagine I'm a, a very little kid. And I was like, I knew who Mark Johnson was. He was the best goal scorer on the team that just you know, had the mirror number. I don't know why I was in the car, me and my old man driving around the Olympic hero, but so it was in 1980. And it was great. And I remember when he made his debut there by chanting USA, the whole game, that 1980 team, as much as it's, it's a crazy upset. If they played 20 times, maybe the Soviet union would have won 19. And there's a huge shot disparity. 
All that said, that the talent on the U.S. team is actually historically underrated. They weren't mm-hmm. this rag. T- there are some guys. I mean, Arizioni wasn't going to have a pro career. Buzz Schneider was 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 practically old enough to retire at that point. But uh, Craig just hit a heater at the right time. His his career didn't go anywhere. Although maybe if he doesn't go to Atlanta, maybe if Gretzky doesn't pants him in one of his first starts, he had right. some off the ice problems as well. But Johnson was a really good player. Dave Christian was a really good player. Ken Morrow had a great career. Ramsey was really good. There was a lot of talent on that team i agree with you yeah you're not gonna get uh, any pushback yeah you said kenny morrow who uh, was essential member of those four uh, islanders cups um okay spaghetti you're gonna have to do this one for us here because i went dryden revis or kelly or dryden well, I love, I mean, I've seen a, quite a bit of uh, Darrell Reeves' career in person when I would go to Jet games. I live back in New York and the guy was, you know, came into the Jets as like a punt returner kind of cornerback from Penn was, you know, a lockdown guy, the best cornerback, one of the best defensive players in the league for years. Jim Kelly, four straight Super Bowls, obviously is like a, uh, that's a feat. But if you look at, and I get it's the era he played into, but Ken Dryden's stats and his resume are just like, it's otherworldly. He had you know, 57 regular season losses and eight full seasons. Like that's just insanity. Mm-hmm. Five Desinas, uh has a Smythe, has a rookie of the year, uh, six, won six cups in eight seasons. Um, obviously Hall of Famer. And then he played, you know, him playing at Cornell too, which is an extra boost for me playing college hockey as uh, somebody who went to BU. That's, you really can't find a better resume than what he did in his short career. So I think it has to be Ken Dryden. You know what? I, I'm going to give, I think Dryden is the right answer and even though most of his career was as an overdog remember he first gets on the map as an underdog upsetting the Bruins won the cup in 70 the Bruins won the cup in 72 but the team that broke all the records we talked about the Bruins you know this recent Bruins team that had a great regular season and totally ruined it in the playoffs that was the 71 Bruins they smashed all the records and then Ken Dryden you know, still fresh out of college, stands on his head and and beats them in the playoffs. And then, the, you know, that's one of the great upsets in NHL Stanley Cup history. That's the underdog, Ken Dryden. I, th- I think I got this one wrong. Dryden is the right call. Okay, let's do that. I like that. Esprit de corps. 13, Aaron Donald, Bob Lilly, Tony Gonzalez. This is a, I'm right there. Like Aaron Donald seems obvious, but Bob Lilly was at least until Mean Joe the dominant defensive tackle of the Super Bowl era. Franco, Kobe, Carl Malone, Manny Ramirez, Trey Turner, and Craig Janney was the best NHLer I could come up with out of his depth in this group. How say you? Yeah, I also gave a courtesy mention to Steve Garvey. I'm glad you mentioned Bob Lilly, who at one point I believe was known as Mr. Cowboy. Mm-hmm. And that's when they're calling you Mr. Cowboy, there's a lot of cowboys to choose from, but that's a a pretty fantastic honor. He's one of those guys who's like Mean Joe. If you see him in person, he's just like he's predisposed to doing this before, like high end weights and all that kind of stuff. These they're just big dudes who you can mm-hmm. tell by their hand size and otherwise they can just push you around. They just have that grown man strength at the age of twenty two. Um, I'm probably, probably going to get booed a little bit here because even though I think Kobe is just an eyelash overrated, I don't think he's. Like some people, younger people would say, oh, Kobe's like the best player of his generation. I think, no, that's that's certainly no. wrong. But I'm picking Kobe Bryant as the 13 guy. Wow. Over Aaron Donald, the greatest defensive player of all time, some say. I don't know if I agree with that. And I think a lot of that goes, uh, it speaks to how pretentious people are that they've been told how yeah. dominant. Maybe this, is, maybe this is the way to say it, but there's just a, there's a resonance to Kobe. There's. The fact that he's Kobe, that he's a one-name guy, I just think he's just get a little more. And, and look, I, I know 
you can't forget how he died. I mean, it's just awful and everything, but I feel like Kobe just has more of an indelible thumbprint on the NBA than Aaron Donald could ever have on the NFL. And that's maybe that's just unfair because you play defense. That's the way it goes. If you're not Lawrence Taylor or somebody like that, but I think Kobe is the right pick spaghetti. What say you? Well, Tony Gonzalez isn't even the best tight end in Kansas city history anymore. So, yeah. so you can't, so I think he falls away. Carl Malone deserves some, consideration there i almost would put him ahead of kobe i wouldn't ultimately to me it's aaron donald break this tie spaghetti bob ryan the great bob ryan always said that he thought carl carl malone and i think elvin hayes were the two most overrated great players of all time Hmm. yeah i think it's down to kobe or aaron donald obviously um i some people would put kobe in the top 10 greatest nba players i don't think he is top 10 i think he's probably safely top 15 17 range um i mean is, is aaron donald the top 15 all-time nfl player right now i mean check i guess you would say he probably is no i don't I, you know what i it's hard really you know when you get down to it defensive tackle the nuance of it and the, and the dominance of that spot when you're you know surrounded by you know eight or ten other giant human beings aaron donald does show up though more than other dominant defensive tackles in history do because he's so active in the way he beats guys without them literally even putting a hand on him and he can dodge them and get to the quarterback, but he can also power past some of those interior linemen. He's remarkable. I'm not, I, I'm not crazy if it's Kobe though. If, it, if it's Kobe, I'm fine with that. I just think maybe if, if the Rams somehow pulled off that miserable Super Bowl versus the Patriots and he has two rings and um, I mean, not that he's, his play ever really fell off, but I, I think when you're drafting at the you know the 13 slot and you're going to get their resumes and what they've done for your your franchise in terms of victories. And I, although Kobe was, I guess, moved in a sense, um, but I think it, it probably has to be Kobe just from the amount of uh, the wins that he brings to your franchise. And I okay. mean, they were they were the he was the face in the NBA. Him and Shaq together, obviously, and then obviously the next iteration with Powell and and all them. He was he was great for a very long time. Donald Angelinos will be mad. Donald is phenomenal, but can you remember one of his plays in your head, like without recall? I, I can't. I know what you're saying. I mean, I uh, there are a couple that stand out to me: the Super Bowl ending play, and then I remember him lifting up the uh, tackling the Duke quarterback by using one of the Duke offensive linemen, throwing him into the Duke QB. That was memorable. I, I, I will. I will say this: he's one of those guys that. If you watch a football game when he's at his peak with a non-football fan and said, identify the, the one dominant play, the best player on the field, they would come up with Aaron Donald because that's how good he is. But I think there's just something it's a routine and, and kind of wrote about his dominance. And, and that's unfair because he's a defensive, as you say, he's a defensive tackle. A lot of what he does right, it's nuanced. It's, it's not so bombastically great. Yeah, it's one of the, it's one of those things that enough people say it, then Rando starts saying, "Well, Aaron Donald's the best in the end." Based on what, by your interpretation, I I, I think that, like I say, it's a pretentious thing. It's like people who evaluate offensive linemen as if they have the ability to do that. All right, here we go. Number twelve, Warren Sapp, Marshawn Lynch, Micah Parsons, just working them in there, giving them a shout. Doctor J, Kirk Gibson, Nomar Garcia Para, Marion Hosa. I also threw out Mookie Blaylock, which also turns into Pearl Jam. Uh, mm -hmm, right. I wasn't sure if Irving counted. I have Irving question mark written down. If he does count, it's got to be Dr. J. If he doesn't count, I'd go with Warren Sapp. Why wouldn't he count? 
because he was drafted. He didn't play for the team that drafted him. Oh, okay. So we're going to, we're going to skip that. Okay. Um, yeah, I have Dr. J. I don't know. Spaghetti. How say you sap or Dr. J or anyone probably, else? Dr. J. I mean, shout out Marion host for being super underrated, but he's not the winner there. Uh, yeah, it's probably Dr. J. Uh, if we're not counting him, then it, it easily goes to sap. Marshawn Lynch. He's going to go to the hall of fame. Ultimately. I hope he? so. Also Kirk Gibson was in this list too. Um, yeah. One of the great, well, here's a, a great list. He's one of the greatest players. You never made an all-star team. Is that true? He also yeah. has one of the weirdest MVP stat lines you'll ever see too. 87 the, RBIs. Right, right. Part of the great uh, Michigan State receiver hierarchy as well. Yeah, right, right. Um, hmm. Okay, let's go with Dr. J, unless you think that's philosophically uh, getting away from things here. Fine with me. Um, number 11, Big Ben Roethlisberger, J.J. Watt, Michael Irvin, Reggie Miller, Max Scherzer, Jerome Ginla. You have a lot of guys in this list. McCutcheon, um, Patrick Willis. Uh, also, I, I put down Russell Erksleben just to point out that we should do the reverse of this list someday. The worst pick in every slot. <laughs> I love it. The, yes. The Saints decided that Russell, oh, he'll be a punter. He'll be a kicker. It, it, all he did is basically bilk people out of money. J.J. Watt was awfully tempting. Also, I think Frank Gifford was the 11th pick of his draft class. Too. Right. I went with Scherzer, but I don't think J.J. Watt's a bad answer either. I went with I went with J.J. Watt. So Scherzer to you is a first ballot Hall of Fame guy generational stud because that's what jj watt is should watt have been the mvp that year well whether he was or not how many defensive player the years in a row did he win i, I mean he was he was the clear cut so watt, you know, they're be, weird with mvp and the when NFL, i when i bolded I, the guys i picked as the winners i bolded when i bolded scherzer i thought to myself you know i could easily change this to watt i i don't even think this should go to spaghetti's um he can weigh in of course but i, I think actually watt's probably the right answer Spaghetti break the tie for us or or weigh in here. If you want to go Big Ben, that's fine. I, I mean, I in a weird turn of events, I was probably higher on Big Ben on this list. Just, well, just because I'm not saying I'm picking him, but again, I'm if I'm an NFL team and you're saying, hey, you could have Big Ben for the next uh decade plus or JJ Watt for the next decade plus or Irvin. Um I, I mean, the quarterback is just always the premium position. I know that so is defensive end, but Roethlisberger did win multiple Super Bowls. But I, I guess in terms of this, the loaded resume and the accolades, Watt's probably the guy. But Scherzer also is a generational pitcher for this era in the, in the era where the post-steroid era, I guess, where batters, um, I guess, kind of suffered, but he's still one of the best uh, and, and a, a super lengthy career, never really injured. Uh, for that long. So I, I, I mean, if I had to say a coin flip, I'd probably, I'd probably go Watt because I think he's the defining defensive NFL player for this generation, but Scherzer, he may be the top three pitcher along, you know, Verlander and whoever else. So that's probably all I'll give it a while. Scherzer also on the very short list of pitchers who have multiple no hitters. I want to mention that. And I don't hmm. know if we mentioned to Jerome and Ginla, a great goal scorer and one of the classiest players in the NHL. Um, I shout him out. I resent Good. him okay. for, for the, it's a deep number eleven is your run with the Penguins, but yes, eleven the, uh, is a is a deep group for sure. All right, you know what? That's another one that the Czech Republic will have to decide ultimately. Scherzer v. Watt. I suspect Watt will win that um, if you if you throw it out to say a hundred people. At number ten, another pretty good group here. Headlined: Patrick Mahomes, Rod Woodson, Marcus Allen. 
Um, then beyond that, you get to Paul Pierce, Paul George, Mark McGuire, and Tamu Solani. I'll say you pretty, I guess. I'm, I'm shocked you had mentioned Jerome Bettis. I'm so glad you mentioned Solani, who is just a player I absolutely adored. Teddy sure. Flash wants to be a race car driver. 70, oh. 70 in his rookie season. Rookie season. Yeah, and then was really good, you know, deep in his career when hockey did everything it could to make the game not fun. I, I think it has to be Mahomes, though. Yeah, it's Mahomes. Woodson, another guy who's a top three uh, corner in the Super Bowl era. Um, but yeah, clearly Mahomes, no argument there, right? Spaghetti. Oh, you're, he's, no. he's, he it's headlines. Yeah. He, yeah, he loves cool. Mahomes more than I do. It's, it's definitely Mahomes and his resume can only get better from here on, which is the, the, cra- the crazy part. And I do feel bad for all these great hockey players, like again, Lower Solani, who can't really compete with these other, uh, behemoths. Sure, they can. Well, we, we, they can compete. It doesn't have to do with who's more famous. Do you agree with me, Pianowski? I know we're going forever here. I apologize. I love it. Um, I contend that as great as Patrick Mahomes is, and he may well go down as the greatest of all time or the 1A of all time. I think that the difference between him and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert is narrower than people present it. Is that they they make they've turned him into some mythical magical being when I he has been a dominant force obviously but and it's remarkable what he did is they pivoted away from Tyree Kill and throw the ball over the defense kind of thing. I still think Joe Burrow is like it, it, because you have Patrick Mahomes and and they have Joe Burrow, you don't have a decisive edge at the most important position. How say you? Yeah, I can see what you're saying. The, the thing that I, about Mahomes, although I would say this about Burrow too, is I don't. Even if you're a a fan of the biggest rival of the Chiefs or Bengals, I think those guys are impossible to dislike. Every like like Steph Curry, who doesn't like Steph Curry? We'll, we'll probably get to mm, him in a minute. It's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, I, I just think Mahomes is impossible because he's. His face is like a, a cherub and he throws from all these off platforms and, you know, he takes his hits like a man. He never he's, he's not one of these guys who's always complaining to the officials and stuff like that. He. I, I'm with you on Burrow, though. I actually I, I was just in a fantasy football draft where Mahomes went in front of me. It's a super flex draft where the quarterbacks, you need two quarterbacks and th- they push up the position. And I took Burrow right after Mahomes and felt really good about it. And I, Justin Herbert was hurt last year, but I think he's really, really going to pop this year. I think his best is yet to come this year, as good as he's already been. And then you still have Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts to consider. That's another um, thing, man. The Chargers have had legacy quarter Fouts and, and Rivers, and now they got Herbert. And the guy they got to the Super Bowl with was Stan freaking Humphreys. You don't have to bring that up. That's that's uh, Well, Alfred Papunu got loose, man. Alfred Papunu got loose I, for like a 49-yard touchdown. I'll cut you off and mean spaghetti will just do nine down the one for I just wanted to say Alfred Papunu. I'm sorry. I don't, well, I remember him drinking the football like it was a t- – I don't like it. I don't want to talk about it. Number nine, Dick Butkus, Luke Keekley, Dirk Nowitzki, Barry Zito, Brian Leach. Yep, Lenny Moore also. Uh, Bruce yep. Matthews were number nine. By the way, when you're hearing me not mention Jerome Bettis, I, when I eyeballed some guys, like, well, he's not going to rise to the yep. to the other names that I already have put down in this draft slot. I'm not even going to bother mentioning them. So that's why some fall away there. But anyway, go ahead. Brian Leach was so good. Another guy whose idea of defense would just have the puck all the time, and it felt like Brian Leach did. But I feel like he was Dirk's marvelous. Right. Dirk is the right pick, though. That's who I went with too. I'll say I, I felt like I was doing wrong by Dick Butkus, but I always poo-poo new or otherwise I poo-poo people who uh, who um, genuflect to people they never saw play. I've never seen Dick Butkus play a game. I don't know how good he was. Uh, I've seen all the highlights and I understand 
the images of him are fun and his uh, personality is funny and mean and all that. But yeah, Dirk Nowitzki, how say you spaghetti? Well, I mean, you guys already both picked Dirk, so I can't sway it. I, I personally would like to pick Leach here. I understand that Dirk is probably the right answer, but Leach, I mean, over a thousand points as a defenseman, he's, you know, did win Calder, two-time Norris winner, um, won the cup, that actually 94th Rangers, five-time All-Star, Con Smythe also that postseason, but Dirk. Best player on that team, even with Messier there, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, but uh, I guess Dirk just, yeah, obviously, the 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 championship they won in the fashion he did was, everyone remembers that, obviously, has the MVP, he made the NBA like 75th anniversary team, all that jazz. So he has a pretty stacked resume too. So I'm okay with Dirk. Okay. Number eight, Ronnie Lott, Lance Allworth, Robert Parrish, Jim Abbott, Raymond Bork, and Grant Fuhr. Also a courtesy mention to, to Jeremy Roenick, who should be in the Hall of Fame, and Todd Helton, who maybe should be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe Helton should be. It's weird that Roenick isn't yet. Is it because he's a pain in the ass? I, I, maybe. I'm, I'm guessing maybe, that that's maybe what it, it is. His, he's one of those things where you get to all these all these qualifiers that get you in the Hall of Fame. He he and Kachuk, a uh, nice BU uh, grab, BU alum for um for spaghetti there. That man, and that team that he was on was fabulous. College hockey in the '90s was so freaking good. In New England, but Raymond to me, Bork, it's a lot. It's a lot. Bork oh, it's Bork. It's Bork. Fear. It's I get it, but Grand Fuhr is this. I mean, he's the opposite of what you described with Ken Dryden a little bit ago. I mean, he's the quintessential. Like with, I, I don't want to throw Tom Barrasso into that mix because he wasn't as good as Grand Fuhr, but you know, same thing that you know this high scoring team where you're getting hung out to dry a lot by Paul Coffey. That's it, the it's thing. That he had and it's Bork, and I'll tell you why. Because he played forever. Because he never missed the, the net. Because he had 19 shots on goal in that Ron Tugnut 70 save game. He was just, you set your watch by this guy. He played all special teams, all the power plays, all the shorthandeds. They used to have to use hair dryers to, uh, on his, on his uh, hockey gloves. Cause they, he'd sweat so much. Cause the guy never came off the friggin' ice. His minutes play. It, it makes me cry that we don't know how many minutes he played in some of these games. And because he played into his forties, him and Nick Lidstrom were still great players when they retired, they could have played another five or six years like Chelios did. Ronnie Lott was great. Uh, and uh, he was the, the toughest non-pick for me here, but Raymond Bork is the best defenseman, I think, not named Bobby Orr in NHL history. Those are the two. Now, this is one of the closer debates. Ronnie Lott or Raymond Bork for me, the coolest, one of the coolest things, if you are a Boston sports fan that ever happened was when Raymond Bork in, 77. in his prime pulls that seven off and gives it to Phil Esposito and uh, goes with 77 the rest of his career. And that, by the way, that, that 79 draft class NHL, because it was the first year um, the WHA came over. It's the best draft class in NHL history. If you're into old drafts, like, like we are, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are go back and look at the guys who were drafted in 79. It is ridiculously loaded. Um, oh, I mean, Look at look at how the Edmonton Oilers benefited as they make that transition from the late seven. Look at the ages of uh, of those guys, the core of those uh, of those players. Spaghetti, break the tie here. Well, it's not a tie. I, we're both going Raymond Bork, but Lotter Bork. Do you agree? No, with? I'm, I'm I'm with Bork. I'm happy that uh, NHL guy finally wins. Just talking about great point totals from a defenseman. I mean, uh, you know, 1500 uh, points for Ray Bork there. 19 time All Star, won the Norris Trophy for best defenseman five times, uh, and won the Calder. To the rookie of the year in that 79 draft too. So um I, I mean that's an outstanding career. 
robbed well, of an second, MVP all- too. One year, the Western voters wouldn't vote for Bork. They wanted Messier to win. And, you know, a couple of those Rod Langway Norris trophies probably belong to Coffee or Bork or Dennis Potvin or one of those guys where, look, Langway was really good on defense. Guys like Bork were really good on both ends of the ice. Um, by the way, Ken Dryden won and Raymond yeah, Bork won. off of a Norris trophy and Pete Peters off of a Vezina trophy. First shift for a youngster named Lemieux. Mario Lemieux, takes it I off, know. Takes Nine it off, Raymond in. Bork stick. And he dances yeah. in and he goes to the back end and the Terrible. world was never the I same. Can, I can see it. Yeah, from the left board, Bork got beat in the old Boston Garden, which was known for having some tricky hops. Lemieux understood them. Well, I, look, you know how I feel. Wasn't the Lemieux. first time wasn't the first or last time that '66 took care of Raymond Bourne. I, I still think Mario Lemieux is the best. His peak is the best offensive hockey I've ever seen, and I, I don't know a lot of people who agree with me, but I think I, I get agreement from you on that. Oh no, me and Spaghetti agree with you. Number seven: Adrian Peterson, Champ Bailey, Steph Curry, Clayton Kershaw, Frank Thomas, Bernie Federko. This is a good debate too. How say you? Yeah, I knew you wouldn't mention Bill Barber, who I'm not even sure is a Hall of Famer. But to me, it's Curry. To me, it's Curry who, look, I, I grew up with Larry Bird. I think Steph Curry's unquestionably. Bill Barber's in the Hall of Fame. He just shouldn't be. Hmm. Ste- Steph Curry is the best shooter of all time. And he's another guy who I just think it's impossible to root against him, no matter who, where your rooting allegiances are. He's just such a dreamer. He's he's anywhere over the midcourt logo is 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 in play for him. So I think he's the right choice. With a, 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 Apologies to Kershaw. I really wanted to pick Kershaw, but I think Curry's the right call. I think so, too. If we're looking at clutch, it matters who wins the titles and who rises up in the moments when you have a chance to win them. And clearly, Steph Curry has done better than Clayton Kershaw in those moments. Agree, Spaghetti? Yeah, I, I think it's Steph Curry, again, another guy that has a, a stacked resume as it is, but his career is still ongoing, whereas Kershaw is pretty you – know, he's winding down right now. But, uh, you know, before we didn't pick Scherzer, uh, if he's not the best pitcher of the generation, if it's not Verlander, then it has to be Kershaw. But, unfortunately, he just matched up with a guy that's going to go down as an all-time uh, NBA great in Curry. So, I'm cool with that. At number six, Jim Brown, Justin Herbert. Just giving him a shout there. Larry Bird, Dame Lillard. Barry Bonds, Derek Jeter, Paul Coffey, Peter Forsberg, and another shout to a relative youngster, Matthew Kachuk. How say you, Pianowski? Loaded. This this one spun my head. It, this it was, down, I think this is the one of the two or three toughest ones. It, it came. All those guys are legendary. Um, we, we didn't squeeze in any guys out of courtesy, but it comes down to Bonds. It comes down to Brown, and it comes down to Larry Bird. I really wanted to pick Larry Bird. How did the Pacers screw this up? They have the third pick. Larry Bird is an Indiana legend. Yeah, you got to wait for him. You're telling me he's not going to sign with you in 11 months? They don't pick him at number three. They pick Rick Roby, who ended up being just a journeyman, you know, mm-hmm. off-the-bench guy. I know he won a championship with Kentucky and all that. How do they screw up with Larry Bird? It's going to be Barry Bonds, though. I I hate saying that. Um, I didn't take joy in, in the heel turn that Bonds took in the second half of his career, but he's just got, he's like one of those Ted Williams guys that you look at his baseball reference page. It's all black ink. And I realize that Jim Brown was incredibly dominant, but how good was the quality of the league back then? I think kills me to say this, but I think Barry Bonds has to be the right call. You just the last 41 seconds you just were talking there. You just said you represented all my feelings on this particular draft slot doesn't make me happy but it is barry bonds i think that's uh i think that's the answer spaghetti how say you 
Yeah. I mean, I don't really have an issue with the steroid takers. Uh, everyone was doing it. Barry Bond, like Scott said, Barry Bond. No, was, he was just his, a creep, though. But his, he was uh, he behaved like a creep about it, too. That's Well, the, I don't care about that. I'm just going mean, to cover the legality of it and whatever he did. And people hold that against him. I mean, there's a very short list of of uh, athletes that Larry Bird would lose to. And unfortunately, Barry Bonds is on that list for him. And um, his stats don't even seem real. It's like video game stats. So Barry Bonds definitely should win that. Look at Spaghetti. Look at the discipline. Doesn't even try to shout out to. He knows that that's not going to work out ultimately. Good for you. Spaghetti. Well, because yes. I've I, I fought. I've been pro Barry Bonds ever since. His ha- I love Bonds as a kid for some reason, even as a Yankees fan. I had a Bonds uh, Giants jersey. So I uh, I mean, Jeter versus Bonds is not even uh, close. Well, I was a Pirates fan. And as they say, don't meet your heroes. That was definitely true as Barry Bonds. <laughs> as long as you well, don't meet him, you could enjoy him quite a and, bit. And never forget that Derek Jeter was the number six pick in his draft class. He wasn't even the highest Jeter because Gary Jeter was the number five pick of the 1977 <laughs> NFL draft. Take that Jeter. Uh, yeah, at, no, at number five, Deion Sanders, another Loaded. good category. Loaded. Deion Sanders, LaDainian Tomlinson, Kevin Garnett, Charles Barkley, Scotty Pippen, Dwayne Wade, Dwight Gooden, Dale Murphy, and Yarmir Yager. This is a really tough one. First of all, KG or Charles Barkley? I have to go Barkley, although the lack of the championships hurts him. Also, guys like Michael Haynes, Sean Taylor, Ray Allen, who's on that list of greatest shooters ever. He's not one, but he's awfully close. But I thought Yager was the right player. Yager, to me, is one of the most underrated, undeniably great players ever. He's got like a little bit of Ricky Henderson to him that people know he's great, but I don't think people appreciate that he's actually – or Hank Aaron. Like People know Hank Aaron's great. But he won batting titles. He won gold gloves. You know, Yager played for so friggin' long and was such a dynamic player until he retired. I, I went with Yager, but man, there's a lot of good guys here. I mean, San- Sanders changed the way defense was played. Like, I think Lenny Dawson was the fifth pick in his draft class. Pippen could guard anybody, was a, one of the all time great number two guys. But to me, it's Yager. Wow. You know, it's a weird thing I always say to our pal, cousin Sal, is it's weird that neither Dwight Gooden nor Daryl Strawberry is in the Hall of Fame. If you would have said that in 1988, people would have been like, what's wrong with you? Of course, one of one or both of those guys is going to the Hall of Fame. Um, and we, you know, we didn't even mention Ladanian, but I you know what? I went with Deion Sanders here. Is that crazy spaghetti break the tie? Sanders or, or Yag Jagger? You know, I'm not going to argue with you if you go 68. Yeah, I mean, Dion kind of revolutionized or changed the game in a sense uh, at the position, and he was uh, one of the phases of the league. And uh, obviously, he did a bunch, uh, and you know, playing baseball as well, and whatever. But uh, I mean, Yaga is the second all-time leading NHL scorer, um, which may change. Uh, you know, guy if Crosby, you know, depending how long he plays and is productive, there's a chance. Um, but Yager, I mean, with almost 2000 points, I, I feel like he has to be. Wow. All right. I'm not going to fight you guys. If you guys want to go with 68, so be it. I love it. I mean, he, he won four straight scoring titles. Listen, uh, yeah, your Yager was a freaking video game. And uh, you know, Sanders, I think he was maybe a little bit overrated as a baseball player. One year he hit 305, but his OPS pluses were usually under a hundred. It almost felt, he always felt a little bit like a novelty to me. And we know he didn't tackle anybody. The idea was that he covered you. Um, I I also thought they tried to use him on offense. I I thought he was a great punt returner. I never thought he was really much of an offensive player. Steon was fabulous. And again, put him on one guy, that side of the field is taken care of, but Four scoring titles. They don't hand out scoring titles. They don't fall off trees. They don't hand them out at the airport. I I think Yager, again, I'm going to say, I think he's historically a little bit underrated. 
I love it. Uh, and you know what? There are some advanced metrics that indicate that he is one of, at this point, at least one of the top five um, NHL players of all time. So, um, all right. I, I like it. I'm not going to fight you on that one. At number four, Walter Payton, Mean Joe Green, Chris Paul, Dave Winfield, Steve Iserman, Ronnie Francis. I know he's not going to get past Stevie Iserman and Kale McCarr with a shout out, although he's not going to get past Stevie Iserman for now, at least. How say you, Pianowski? This this list, Larkin, Fisk, Winfield, Derek Thomas, Reggie White. But Walter Payton, you could you could build an argument that Walter Payton is the most important football player of all time or the best football player of all time. To me, it had to be him. Hmm. But I feel like I'm giving a lot of apologies. John, uh, John Han is on this list. I'm going with Payton. I went with uh, Sweetness as well, my favorite running back, um, non-stealer, along with Billy Sims. Yeah, Walter Payton was where it was at for me when I was growing up. Spaghetti, uh, any argument there? No, it's definitely Sweetness to me. I mean, he's so super consistent, almost a 1,000 yards in every year he played. Um, obviously, that's why he's number two all time in the rushing yards uh, for a career. So for me, it's an easy choice. And when NFL yeah, he- Network, when NFL Network comes into existence... Their backdrop on set was a gigantic photo of Walter Payton. I mean, that resonates. That tells you how important you are to the just the story of the NFL. And one of the one of the uh, most famous athletes ever to wear kangaroos. That didn't really catch on past sweetness very much. But remember, he wore the ruse and, when he broke the record. He had ruse. underrated as a pass catcher too. He wasn't yeah, just he a was guy who you know. Because I always say that these receiving backs, you know, the Roger Craig types, the Warwick Duns, and the Edger and James. So he did make the Hall of Fame. Chuck Foreman in the seventies. A lot of these guys don't get the props. Walter Payton was a dynamic receiver. And also, I believe he was really good throwing the ball, too. They he was great at throwing it. I think he yeah. threw six touchdown passes. I think, he was, right. I think he was like six for six at some point in his career for throwing. And took passes. so much punishment. He was on a lot of bad Bears teams. Oh, he was he on obvious- garbage teams with Chicago. Yeah. And, and we all know famously they've, they've never really hit on a quarterback. I mean, it's just their history of quarterback play has been terrible. Bob Avellini and guys like that. I mean, you really knew it was going to be Peyton 30 times when you faced off against him in like 1980 and then Peyton was getting pounded and somehow he was still really good into a deep career. I, yeah. I mean, first I'm, four I'm, I'm years or so much. of his career. No, first four years of his career, three, four, at least there were only 14 game seasons too. So he's still 77 MVP numbers, and right? he runs for over 1800 yards and a 14 game season in 77 Sheesh. wins the MVP like on the cover of the complete handbook of football. The next year, that stuff matters. Walter Payton, undeniable God. Here's a great uh, list, but it's pretty much the shortest discussion we'll need to have here. At number three, Barry Sanders, Anthony Munoz. Barry Sanders in the conversation for best running back ever. Anthony Munoz for best tackle of all time. Robin Yount, storied career uh, with the Brew Crew. And Leon Dreisaitl, who, along with Connor McDavid, puts up gargantuan numbers and win a bunch of individual awards and yet still haven't played in the final. And yet obviously it's Michael Jordan, right? I mean, there's no reason why we're even talking about obviously. Well, I gave courtesy nods. I can't mention Young without Molitor who also went in the same slot. Larry Fitzgerald, Merlin Olson. Will Chamberlain was actually the third pick, but he was a territorial pick. So I don't know Mm. if that disqualifies him, but I missed him then, but yeah, but even even then it's Michael Jordan. End of story. We can uh, do quick work with that one then and move on to number two. Uh, I mean, some good names, but a little shallow considering some of the draft slots that we That's just That's a great point. Yeah, yeah, four and five, it's like I, I feel like I left off Hall of Famers. I was surprised two didn't have more contenders. 
Number two, overall picks in the history of sports. These are the names, the best of them. And there's some good ones. Lawrence Taylor, Marshall Falk, Bill Russell, Kevin Durant, Marcel Dion, Gino Malkin, Justin Verlander, Reggie Jackson. How say you? I think Jerry West was also the number two pick in his class. But I think with apologies to Lawrence Taylor, it has to be Bill Russell. Oh, wow. Here we go, Spaghetti. I have Lawrence Taylor because that's the name I was going with is maybe the best football player of all time. I mean, talk about disruptive defensive player who ruined games week after week. LT 56 is where I went there. Bill Russell. I admire the man and the achievements are spectacular. But if you talk about a, a league that wasn't yet ripe, a yep. lot of those, I I was saying this, and J.J. Redick apparently uh, is talking a lot about this, too. Genuflecting to the 60s, and believe me, my old man loved those 60s Celts and went on and on about the greatness of Russell. But a lot of those playoff runs are like three rounds, and the first round is best of three and best of fives. And, you know, who's the competition he's going up against? It's pretty shallow talent pool. Basketball wasn't a major league sport at the time when Russell Seltz are doing it. That's why I went LT. I mean, I, I hear your noise on Bill Russell, though, because of the the winning is second to none. Spaghetti, you have any thoughts? on? I, I got to say one other thing about oh, Russell. Ahead, OK. It, it, this is just one of the great debates, Russell and Chamberlain, because Chamberlain had all the stats. Russell had obviously much better teammates. But at the end of their careers, Russell has 11 championships and Chamberlain has two. How I that has to speak to Russell's greatness. Plus, I you can't give him credit for what he did in college, but he, he won what Olympic medal, he won, he won championship in college. Um, all, all the stuff he did socially. Um, man, I, I think it has uh, when you contextualize by 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 era or by generation, you know, like Bill Russell's one of those guys, and this doesn't really matter a great deal, but his talent and his physique and everything isn't transferable into the 21st century. I don't think he would, you know, he wouldn't hold his own now, which is ironic because centers were more prominent when he was playing and into the 70s and the and even into the 80s than it is now. Shaq would dominate anybody for sure for sure well Jokic is an interesting name to include at this point but anyway spaghetti well see he's gonna go with the giants uh, well, I'm, I'm gonna say this too about taylor is and we talked about how great aaron donald is and some people will say was well, he the best defensive player of all time uh, lawrence taylor is and i talked about how randy moss changed the goal of defense to not yeah, allow right. an 80 yard touchdown every play well lawrence taylor changed the role of offense which is let's not get our quarterback killed on every drop back because Lawrence Taylor is going to do that. He he changed the game. He said, okay, we have to totally change our blocking schemes, totally change the shape of our offensive line. All of a sudden the left tackle is gigantically important. We need to know where this guy is on every play. I am all for the celebration of Lawrence Taylor. Also a nice cameo on the Sopranos. Oh yeah, that's right. I did like that. And I also liked that he sent uh, hookers to the hotel room door of his foes before big games. I think that's a pretty funny thing to do. I mean, who hasn't done that, right? <laughs> I got to start doing that to spaghetti. Um, I, you know, yeah, that's tough. And, and to your point about influencing the game, 
That's why I always honor Mel Blunt in these conversations, because he literally forced uh, rules change because he was too dominant for it. I mean, 3-4 is not a prominent defense when LT arrives mm-hmm. with the Giants. And by the time he's done, the, the league has flipped and more teams are playing 3-4 than 4-3. Um, than I don't know. This is a tough one uh, for me to settle on. I get the prominence of Bill, his importance to the NBA, though. Spaghetti, I'll say you. Yeah, it's it stinks going against Bill Russell, um, but I have to just because I mean playing a portion of your career in the fifties when Dave you were saying the NBA wasn't really fully formed yet. Um, obviously he's rebounding at a crazy clip, but his you know points per game not super high, and I think some of the guys that came right after him, like the you know Wilt or even we'll get to Kareem, I think they kind of outshine him in terms of skill and in terms of skill and changing the game, like you guys mentioned with the defenses and the blitzing, and then you needing a left tackle and the importance of an edge rusher. I mean, it's it's Lawrence Taylor. There's arguably no person um, outside of the Spaghetti family that's more important to our, our household than number fifty six. So I'm gonna have to side with uh, LT. There. It is it is one of those things that's. I think that's right. I feel like LT means something to a generation of Giants football fans on a level that generally it's the quarterback when you're when you're talking about football. I that's the 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 come away. And like people, Phil Sims is an afterthought, you know, Phil McConkey and Mark Bavaro and all those guys. The guy that matters and resonates along with Big Tuna is Lawrence Taylor near to the level of regard that Boston sports fans have for Bill Russell. Do you think that's crazy, Pianowski? No, I don't. Also, Taylor, only one of two defensive players to win MVP. And I love that we can all just immediately think of Taylor highlights, like what he did against the 49ers that that year they went to Super Bowl. Uh, they upset San Francisco or the, the play he made, I think it was on Thanksgiving, where he intercepts the pass and he races 97 yeah. yards down the sideline. He immediately announced his presence. He you know, obviously what he did to Theismann, you know that that play. Um, I don't think no anybody wants to watch that again. But uh, even the even the face match, just the way Lawrence Tower looked before the ball was snapped, that's was right. kind of menacing, right? Crazed dogs, the mic'd up sound, the, right, but yeah, right. that 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 chop that he would deliver. You know, that's the 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 great pass rushers have figured that move out, and every human who's good at getting to the QB doesn't, for whatever reason, master that skill of being able to swipe the ball or chop the arm right to, for sure loosen it up and he I was also love i also love that he was lawrence taylor he wasn't larry taylor larry. just something about lawrence just gave him a, more of a <laughs> mythical quality yeah i'm i'm so like, true I'm, i picked russell but i have no problem with taylor i'm gonna i'm gonna put that one out to the Czech republic as well because i'm gonna a, lose i'm gonna lose the, the newer player will always win but um i don't think taylor's a bad pick at all all right and this is this is maybe the best one of them all appropriately first overall Peyton Manning John Elway Joe Burrow LeBron James Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Lou Alcindor at the time of his drafting I think right he didn't become yep, Lou, Lou Alcindor yep, right for sure Magic Tim Duncan A-Rod there's Sidney Crosby Spaghetti told me yesterday he's like well you have to mention Connor McDavid and I'm like well I don't have to if I know somebody's better than him already but okay Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, and number 66, Mario Lemieux. How say you D- defense quickly? You put Joe Burrow on a list with uh, John Elway and Peyton Manning. So I was putting his down. Well, you're right. Okay, that's fair. That's uh, you're right. You're right. That's even Steven. I thought I also just just a nod to Bruce Smith, you know, who invented the Buffalo right. stance, you know, and gave us Nana Cherry and all that. But all right, I'm excited for this announced. I'm gonna get booed. I, I think you're gonna disagree with me. I think the Czech Republic is gonna sack me like Lawrence Taylor, unblocked on the blind Don't do side. This. Don't do it. I'm going Kareem. 
Oh, my God. We are on a Peyton Manning run network in Omaha. You could go Peyton, and I wouldn't be able to argue that one too much. Magic. I, I'll i I'll hear that noise. LeBron people, I was one of them at one point said, like, LeBron's got a chance to outstrip MJ by the time it's done. That ship has sailed now, but he still is the 1A yep. of all time. Elway, rightly an icon for all of time, a mile high. But it's Mario Lemieux. He's the best ever play the sport. Is Kareem the best ever play his sport? No, of course not. Is he the best center to play his sport? No, he's not, of course. Who's the best center to play his sport? Mario Lemieux. That's who, friend. I don't have a problem with Lemieux, but the thing with Kareem is he was, if you drafted, the NBA was different back then. Okay, every MVP in the 70s was a center. Now, Rick Barry probably would have won the MVP if people didn't dislike him so much. But be that as it may, Kareem wins six MVPs. He, When he gets to UCLA as a freshman, the best team in the country was a UCLA varsity, and then the freshman team ran them off the court and beat them by like 15 or whatever. He's drafted with all this pressure on him, goes to a horrible Milwaukee team. They immediately become good, and they win a championship in their second season. I mean, it took LeBron four years to get to the finals, and they got swept. When b- basketball back then, if you had a dominant center, it could overshadow everything else. And Kareem, all the, all the stuff he did socially, all, all the racism he dealt with, the way he's handled himself. And I know like his Laker years, first couple of years, he didn't have great teams around him. And then, oh, okay, here comes Magic and here comes Worthy and here comes Michael Cooper and Byron Scott and just unbelievable talent. They even got the last whiff of, of McAdoo's career. And then you get Pat Riley, who's a great coach. But uh, Kareem, I, maybe I'm just giving him credit for just how much I respect him, his stoicism. He, every time he doesn't talk a lot, but every time he talks, it's something really insightful and interesting. And I agree you, with all of it. But wait, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not here. I'm not here for you to name Kareem Abdul-Jabbar the greatest first overall pick of all time. Not on a list that includes. He's not even ahead of LeBron. He wouldn't be ahead of LeBron on any six, M- six MVPs doesn't mean anything. It mean well, sure it means something, but we're talking about a really uh, a, a really high end group here. The first overall picks in the history of people. Again, Magic goes ahead of him, and LeBron goes ahead of him, right? I mean, if if you if you redid a draft, that would I I, I don't know. Also, 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 Kareem. Okay, and I know it's not Magic's fault he didn't play longer, but or not necessarily his fault, but Kareem played forever at a position where guys and Robert Parrish did this too, because they figured out yoga and stuff. That was a position where these guys broke down like thoroughbreds and they, they had really short careers or they were really bad in their thirties. And, and Kareem was like one of the first centers to play a very long, deep career because he understood yoga and he understood meditation and how to pace himself and stuff like that. And this is from, I'm a Celtics fan, man. I, I hear you. Know, you Kareem, I, I hated Kareem in the, in the moment and I respect him so much now. Now, how come neither one of us is picking LeBron or Magic or Peyton? Because Mario Lemieux. You mentioned Ovechkin board. too, right? You did mention Ovechkin. Right? I didn't mention Ovechkin because for the same reason, I wasn't going to mention Connor McDavid. If there's someone who's clear okay. cut ahead of him, why would I even buy, waste my breath? Well, you but mentioned fine. Crosby though, right? How could you not? Mention Ovechkin if you're going to mention Crosby. Because Sidney Crosby stands as one of the five best players of all time right now. Alex Ovechkin doesn't. Great goal scorer, but not first one of the of, first five of all, best players of all time. Tell me there's nobody in Pittsburgh who would take Crosby over Lemieux. Oh, there are people. I mean, it's an age-dependent thing. Okay. But, I mean, Mario Lemieux, that's the problem with Lemieux. He's such a gentleman. He's deferential. He says, he said five years into Crosby's career, oh, he's better than I was. 
I mean, that's, he, that's he doesn't sort of, mean you that. Wayne Gretzky, he, what else is he going to say? I'm better. I don't I mean, know. Ask Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky wouldn't do something like that. He would never give anybody that. He would always, but Wayne Gretzky would list himself and then talk about Gordy Howe like he gave a crap about Gordy Howe. That was his fallback. Gretzky is to cite Gordy Howe because then it seems sweet and he respects his elders. You know, and one, all thing, that. one thing, there's a million great things about Gretzky and Lemieux. And, and as you, as I've said, I'm on record. I think Lemieux is the best forward I've ever seen his peak. But one thing I loved about both of those guys is they would score shorthanded goals by the truckload, which is the pick six of hockey, right? You score when you're shorthanded. You deflate your opponent. They think they're going in. No, we're going in. And I think that's a lost art. He now. had 15. Think, 66 had 15. I know. I know. 89. That's such a lost <laughs> art. Jordies. Teams, teams are thinking offense. Sometimes they put a, a non-defenseman at the point. It's a great time to catch them with their pants down. And what's more exciting than that breakaway, a shorthanded? And Lemieux was a master. Gretzky and Lemieux were just masters at that play. When, my, I, when I think of those guys, there was a game against the Bruins where I think Lemieux had the power play goal, the shorthanded goal, the even strength goal, and then the empty net goal. I was at that it. game, New Year's yeah. Eve. If I, Here's the last thing I'll say. And this doesn't answer it perfectly, but it's a good thought experiment. In 1984, if you trade or 82, whatever, if you make them the same age, let's say, and you trade Gretzky to the Pittsburgh Penguins and Lemieux to the Edmonton Oilers, how do you think things shake out? You think Wayne Gretzky is the best player in the sport on with, with Doug Shedden and Terry Raskowski and Warren Young? Or do you think uh, or do you think Lemieux goes uh, to Edmonton surrounded by Glenn Anderson and Mark Messier on the power play and Paul Coffey? Who do you Gary think Curry, more? Yeah. Well, they won. They won a championship in Edmonton without Gretzky. That that's my my number one go to is exactly that. If he was if he was so essential, then how did they win the cup? Oh, by the way, eighteen Gretzky, months after they got traded, and Gretzky went to one finals after he left Edmonton that, that one year with the Kings, and they got swamped in five. He's a minus for the rest of his career. And I'll never, and I'll never get over the nineteen eighty nine Hart Trophy where, and I'm preaching to the choir here. Lemieux's playing with Bob Airy. And they thought Rob Brown was something that he really wasn't. He's propping those guys up. Bob Barry was basically a third-line guy. And Gretzky goes to L.A., what, 31 fewer goals? And he's playing with Luke Robitaille. He's playing with Bernie Nichols, who scored 70 goals. Yeah, Gretzky had a lot to do with that. But those are really good. Robitaille's a Hall Bernie of Famer. Bernie Nichols was, was plenty good before he ever met Wayne Gretzky. For sure, for sure. Pumper Nickel on a roll. That was a Sports Illustrated article. Um, All right, Spaghetti. Do the right thing here. I'm interested to see. He's not, he's not going to take either of ours. Uh, Epic Peyton, isn't he? So when when Scott before when you said uh, way 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 back uh, three hours ago when we first started this that your number one <laughs> overall pick um, idea was going to be a little out there, I was interested because in my head and I swear to God I thought that's like when I looked at the list I go okay LeBron has a real chance to win this but I don't think it's correct to pick him as the best NBA player on this list and then I think in terms of career accomplishments nobody has more deeds than than Kareem so Kareem was my pick from the start so when you picked him I was shocked that you picked someone other than like you said you're going with Kareem being shocking I don't think Kareem is shocking I think obviously LeBron taking the scoring title from Kareem uh, definitely helps LeBron a ton and his career is still active he wins another ring obviously it makes things complicated what kind of knocks 
LeBron down a couple pegs is the is the teaming up. And I think just being in this social media age, we kind of undervalue how good LeBron is. But LeBron is his career averages are insane. But even look at Kareem's like, I mean, average double double and still had like, three, you know, almost four assists a game. Um, his numbers are insane. And longevity, he was just always good. And I, I think that Kareem has to be the pick here. And I understand there's some good quarterbacks, but Kareem being the number one overall pick and having he could be in the argument, he could at least be in the discussion of the best uh, player of all time, where I think if you're going to argue that with like Lemieux, people are still going to, more people are going to say Gretzky and even Bobby Orr to help that cause. And then the same thing with Peyton and Elway and not to take any uh, shots here at Peyton, but I think as long as Tom Brady exists and the guy we talked about before in Mahomes. So I, I think it's, you know, having the number one overall pick being potentially the best player uh, of all time, or at least held that, that title for quite a bit until Michael Jordan came around. I think I, I'm I'm okay with going Kareem here. I mean, you're, you're, you're entitled to your own opinions, the both of you. You broke my heart. I know it was both of you. <laughs> I can't believe you don't have more respect, but all right. I have LeBron number two for what it's worth. So I, I don't even have. <laughs> yeah. I would go. I I mean, for real. For the record, I would go LeBron by a whisker over Magic. And I love Kareem and what he did. He also wins three titles because of Magic Johnson and James Worthy and Michael Thompson really helps a chunk of his late stage career and all of those mm. factors. I mean, he was on a talk about sort of like the Gretzky conversation. Obviously, you can't take that guy off the team, but well, in Gretzky's case, you could and they still thrive. Um I, I just want, I, you know, if Magic Johnson doesn't happen with the LA Lakers, what do we think of Kareem then? That would be my biggest knock on him. All right. LeBron you guys made- with the South Beach with Dwayne Wade, who was also on this list too. So it's one of those things where True. you can't start doing that. And and Kareem's career is so lengthy and so full of accolades that it still doesn't hurt him as much. And that's why I said LeBron, I think, is too. And LeBron has the chance to be the best overall pick, especially when you add in him being picked in the, the social media era um, where there was a lot of expectations, whereas mm-hmm. Kareem forever ago, you know, there was no real pressure on him and he was, you know, dominant college as it is. Well, Lemieux gave, that- Lemieux gave his his nation a gold medal. He gave him a, a Canada Cup victory in 87. the greatest tournament. The 87 highlights are fantastic. Of and, it's the yeah. greatest. It's a, it, of course, it's of the course they gave the MVP to Gretzky because he had the 16 assists. But yeah. I, again, nauseating, but okay. The that's best fine. power play I've ever seen. No that, that power play, Gretzky, Lemieux, Paul Coffey, Ray Bork. I forget who the fifth guy was. It might have been Messier. Just un unfreaking but go watch that on YouTube. It's so freaking good. I think they would sprinkle in some Dale Howard Chuck there. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh listen, uh, you know, guy again, you have to consider the context of what the Pittsburgh Penguins were when Lemieux got there and he got them to two Stanley Cups. It's like the hockey equivalent of the Boston Red Sox. They really did it fine. The Penguins won Stanley Cup and they won two of them. Anyway, listen, a gay time for sure. I hope uh, the audience enjoyed this. Uh as much as I have, this was exactly what I thought it would be and more great debates, great research. I appreciate you bothering for two minutes, let alone for almost two hours worth of kibitz in here. Scott Pianowski, you're the best. Great insight from you up and down the board here. I appreciate it. I, again, this is my catnip. Anytime you want to do these types of things, I'm in. So uh, thanks to you and Eddie for having me. You're the tops, pal. Make sure you check him out. If you don't get a sense that he knows what he's talking about, I think uh, this just proved what he knows. Check him out on Yahoo to get right just in time for fantasy football drafting season. It's here. Teams, I mean, people, as Pianowski himself just said, are already drafting and uh, 
So make sure you check out the Hall of Famer in that regard. And you hear his great insights here. One of the great sports historian. We really appreciate it, man. Thanks, buddy. Really appreciate it. There you go. Scott Pianowski, everybody. And now a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, there you have it, Eddie Spaghetti. It's uh, it's now in the books, and we're set now. We're going to talk to Hench later in the week. Then we're going to take next week off. And then we, when we return, I don't know that we're going to have a ton of room for much other than college football, pro football, Eric Carlson watch, if that hash hasn't been settled yet. And then I don't know. I guess we'll keep watching baseball, right? We kind of there's a certain inertia now that we have to see how this whole thing resolves itself. But, you know, it's time to zero in, right? Yeah, I'll give you my rule. Um, You know, when we come back uh, to record minus three in a few weeks, by then, if the Yankees are looking better and they somehow acquired Shohei Otani, we could definitely do baseball if that's not the case and they're still in last place, um, especially with my Notre Dame Fighting Irish playing what I believe is the first game of the college football season. That's only a few Saturdays away. I think we could just totally just put a bow on MLB. Just forget about it. Uh, we're going to just move on strictly to uh, college and pro football, and I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, that was uh, the Dave Damashek method for NHL Stanley Cup playoffs 2023. That was exactly how I approached. Oh, the Pens didn't make the playoffs? Next subject. Um, but speaking of your college football, the Bulldogs of Georgia, not surprisingly, plus 220. Crimson Tide, second position there, plus 650. Pretty pretty far back there that Georgia is, is plus 220, and then Ohio State's uh, – um, plus 750, Michigan, um, eight to one, USC's 12 to one, LSU's 12 to one. Oh, oh, it's, it's getting close. It's getting close. I can almost taste it. We just have to get through the civil war reenactments that are NFL preseason games. And then we'll be all the way home. I can't wait. In the meantime, we appreciate you listening. Make sure you're checking out all the great content on the extra points network. And speaking of that, we've got a couple extra points. Um, podcast coming at you this week with Cousin Sal and Martin Weiss and me. We'll have Kevin Hench for you later in the week and then the week off and then back at it. Football, 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 a little baseball and otherwise sprinkled in there. Can't wait for all of it. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>